This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Looking to bounce back after a disappointing 31-20 loss at Oklahoma State, Kansas State returns home to Bill Snyder Family Stadium for two straight games, beginning with the contest against the sixth-ranked Oklahoma Sooners on Saturday. The game kicks off at 2.30 p.m. and will be televised on Fox. Folks, welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast. I am Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com, and during the next hour, we will dive deeply into this game between the Cats and Sooners, a very interesting series that has seen Kansas State somehow, someway, under the leadership of quarterback Skylar Thompson and coach Chris Kleiman beat Oklahoma in the first two meetings between Lincoln Riley and Kleiman. Absolutely incredible. It defies the odds, and it leaves us wondering this question. As Kansas State comes out of Stillwater, a game in which they had to play without Skylar Thompson because of his lingering knee injury, what we've come to believe is a partially torn PCL, and he should be good to go in the near future. Will it be Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium? Chris Kleiman on Tuesday at his press conference said no. Skylar Thompson will not play in this game. We will rest him this game into the off week and then have him ready for Iowa State. But others believe Skylar Thompson will play. And if Kansas State wants to win this game, wants to get back on the winning track and get to 4-1 and one on the season and 1-1 one and one in Big 12 play, they might just need Skylar Thompson because without him, honestly, the offense isn't the same. And in Stillwater, the defense wasn't the same. It was not a pretty day, particularly in the first half for the Wildcats as they gave up 31 points to the Cowboys, a team that hadn't broken 30 points all season long, and they did it in the first half. K-State's defense settled in the second half, got some stops, and put the game back into a possibility of a victory, but there just wasn't enough offense, particularly after Will Howard also went out with an injury and Jaron Lewis took over at quarterback, K-State's third-string signal caller. It is going to be an interesting day at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and we will find out pretty quickly if Skylar Thompson plays or not, and we will have that topic discussed from numerous angles throughout this show. This is the PowerCat pregame show, and we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame 
podcast. Here is our lineup for the day. We will start off with Ryan Wallace as we have every show this season as our football recruiting analyst that helps out with team coverage and he really does a nice job diving into the opponent and their tendencies and he will do that in just a moment with Oklahoma. After our first break we bring in our football analyst former Kansas State offensive lineman Brian Hanley and he will break down this game from a player's perspective and then after the second break we will have an interview segment and then bring in ryan gilbert to talk about the odds throughout the big 12 the spreads on all the games and discuss what he thinks about k-state and oklahoma as it relates to a point spread of 10 and a half points in favor of oklahoma but we do need to get rolling here let's not mess around and let's bring in our own ryan wallace Wally, K-State is on a two-game winning streak. Um, so no doubt in your mind that it'll be a, a three-game winning streak over the Sooners come Saturday evening? <laughs> uh, I'll just write you down. Uh, how many How many points is K-State going to win by? I'll write that down. Um, I, I mean, the funny thing about this, Fitz, is that in some ways you <laughs> – in some ways, you feel maybe better about where K-State is heading into this game in addition to where the Sooners are than where K-State was heading into Norman last year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they were coming off a horrific loss with Arkansas State and uh, really made us question everything about the team. We know this is a pretty decent team, particularly if they have Skylar Thompson. and You know, they have some capabilities. They Even with Thompson, they have some offensive limitations that are going to plague them all season. But I do think with Skylar Thompson, this could be an entertaining game. Do I – am I going to – sit here and say they're going to win again no i'm not going there uh, because i i don't i can't explain how they won the first two let alone three in a row but skylar thompson wearing a uniform on the field skylar thompson not wearing a uniform on the sidelines changes this game so drastically and and i'll talk to ron gilbert later in the show about this but this line hasn't moved it doesn't seem like they care who the quarterback is the odds makers it's just been a ten and a half and Climate says he's not playing. It doesn't move. I'm I'm a little baffled by it. Well, and and you you mentioned just then about not really sure what it was about K State being able to win these last two against the Sooners, um, but I I do think there is maybe a correlation, and it also plays into the quarterback position and its turnovers. Um, K State has just been so advantageous against Oklahoma. Um, if you look back at the last four times they've beaten Oklahoma, um, last year they forced four turnovers. Uh, 2019, they forced two. 2014, two. 2012, three. And in all four of those games, K-State had zero turnovers. <laughs> um, and so not only are they making the most of it, but then again, getting back to this quarterback dilemma here, Fitz, you know, with Skylar Thompson in the lineup, it changes things because there's a level of trust um, that he's not going to force the issue, that he's going to make smart decisions. If it's Will Howard, if it's Jaron Lewis, I think that confidence drops significantly. And I think that we've seen that over the course of the last few games um, through some of the decision-making and play calling that Courtney Messingham has chosen to roll out for those two backups. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't quite understood what they're trying to do with those two guys. Um, but the focus will be as much on K-State's quarterback as Oklahoma's quarterback. Spencer Rattler came in. Uh, he was my preseason player of the year in the conference, possible Heisman winner. 
And he's been under a little fire. The people are unhappy with him. And here's what's amazing about this is you open up his his stats and you see he's thrown for 1,000 yards and completed 74% of his passes. That's a career high. But then you drill (laughs) down and you realize, oh, he's – He's also throwing the ball short a lot more than he did last season. They seem to be dunking underneath quite a bit. A year ago, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's a high number, Wally. Um, Both of them are. And this year, so far, what, a third into the season, he's eight and three. So he's online for 24 and nine. So it's interesting. He got booed in a victory in which he completed 72% of his passes. That's a different standard than what K-State is going through right now. But they beat him last year. What did you see them do to Spencer Rattler a year ago in Norman that they could translate to this game in Manhattan? Well, I think the the one thing that they were able to do is is they made him uncomfortable. And you saw that even last week against West Virginia and even the week before against Nebraska. Is, you know, for as acclaimed as a passer as he is, and, and I'll – I'll be the first to raise my hand and say he's a better thrower than I thought he was coming out of high school. Um, But it's interesting. He's not as Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield esque as I think we, we place him in that, uh, in that same, you know, uh, basket to be because we see a a guy that, that can run with ease, but Spencer Rattler doesn't really want to run. Um, whereas Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray would scramble if something wasn't open. I, I think there's a tendency for Spencer Rattler to try and stay in the pocket and maneuver around the backfield to try and prolong guys getting open. And, and it ends up just turning bad. And so I think, K-State was able to pressure him and then make him force force him into making some deeper throws that where I think his accuracy maybe drops uh, the deeper and deeper the route you get. And so I think the more that K-State can apply pressure, the better. Um, but it, I wanted to get back to what you were saying, though, for a second here, Fitz. It is mind-boggling to me um, why Oklahoma fans are so up in arms about Spencer Rattler in particular, and this offense in general, both running backs are averaging five yards per carry. You mentioned Rattler leads the big 12 in yards, touchdowns, completion percentage. They have, they're the only team in the big 12 offensively with four different wide receivers in the top 25 of this conference and average yards and yards per catch. So to me, it really boils down to they're unhappy with the scoring right. that this offense has not been able to do. And and I think that's twofold though. I think, you know, part of that is they're breaking in two transfers on the offensive line. And um, in the last game, they actually went with Andrew Rame at center. So it's down to just one transfer on the offensive line and Tyrese Robinson, they moved from right guard to right tackle. I mean, those are shifts as we saw last year with K state's offensive line. It, it takes time with communication and things of that nature. And so I, I think we'll see Oklahoma start to settle down here as time goes on, but they want to see more scoring. They want to see more of the big play threat and they just haven't been able to see it yet. Well, it's, it's intriguing to me. I mean, they won last week, 16 to 13. I believe they scored on their first possession of the game, scored a touchdown. And then they, Mm -hmm. they kicked a field goal to end the game with no time on the clock. So there were six points in between. That's unbelievable. They beat Tulane by five points. They just trounced Western Carolina, throw that game out. That team's awful. Nebraska by seven points. 
West Virginia by three points. They've won their three FBS games by a total of 15 points. I can't explain this. Is the door open for Kansas State to win this game? Well, I think part of the explanation on how at least Nebraska and West Virginia were able to keep it close is, you know, for, you know, the the people that say that Nebraska is, is poor and they and they are <laughs> in many areas. And for the people maybe that that haven't seen West Virginia play yet, that kind of still think of them as an offensive juggernaut. Right now, those are two top 30 scoring defenses, um, and they're they're getting better. Um, So on paper, I know that looks uh, like not as great of a win for Oklahoma, but I think when you dig into the stats, I I think defensively, Nebraska and West Virginia pose some problems, problems that I'm not sure K-State can can threat. Uh, can threaten in the same way. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Fitz, and, and maybe this is taking us too small of a sample size, but I think maybe we were all underestimating um, the loss that Khalid Duke was and may be for the remainder of the season. As great as Felix Anudike has been, as great as that three-man front had, had been to this point, I thought the game in Stillwater showed that they got beat badly up front, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to have to manufacture pressure in other ways. And unfortunately, when you start to manufacture pressure in other ways against Oklahoma, it means that you have to design some other guys coming into the box through blitzing and, and what have you. And so um, that makes you more vulnerable in the secondary. A secondary, mind you, that we're expecting will already be without TJ Smith, that it's kind of a do it all center fielder. So there, there is some hesitancy for me to say that, that K state can pressure uh, Spencer Rattler and, and be as strong as we've seen them be defensively um, in similar ways that, that Nebraska and West Virginia were able to, just because I don't know if, if they have um, the man to man firepower that those two defenses did. Uh, it will be interesting. K-State's defense fell off quite a bit last week. In, in the second half, yeah, they pitched a shutout, but Oklahoma wasn't showing anything. They knew they – or Oklahoma State, excuse me. They they knew that if they didn't turn the ball over, K-State was not going to win, and that's how it played out. And I, and I fear that's exactly – Oklahoma will get up and then know that K-State doesn't have enough firepower to get come back like they did last year in Manhattan. But in case they have to make that rally – Give me your thoughts on this Oklahoma defense. Well, it's it's a better defense than they've had in the past. Um, I think I heard Lincoln Riley say it already this season, or excuse me, this week in, in addressing the media, uh, taking one out of the old Tom Hayes playbook. They're bending more, but they're not breaking. Um, and really, that's all that matters in the grand scheme of things. They're number two right now in Big 12 in, in defense. Um they're number one in forcing sacks uh, and they're number one in defensive uh, third down efficiency. So they're, they're not allowing a lot of conversions from um, third downs uh, to their opponents. And so uh, I think this is the best defensive line that K state will have seen to this point. And I'm not even sure it's that close. And honestly, Fitz, that's a scary thought knowing how badly this offensive line got beat in the trenches uh, a week ago to Oklahoma state. Um, I just think that they have a really, really strong collection of guys that are not only big and long with, uh, you know, a wingspan um, tendencies or excuse me, in a wingspan by definition, but they are guys that have some twitch to them for being, you know, 270, 280, 290 pounds. Um, The offensive tackles, Christian Duffy, 
Um, Cooper Beebe are going to have their hands full with this group. And then, you know, a guy like Nick Bonito is a guy that they can um, kind of have roaming around the line of scrimmage. Sometimes he'll drop, sometimes he'll blitz. And uh, he's a guy that the quarterbacks are going to have to have, a, a, you know, in their sights at all times, similar to a Malcolm Rodriguez last week. But overall fits, I think, very strong um, in the line of scrimmage. And I think they have gotten better in the secondary where I think K state might be able to, to get them and might be able to move the ball a little bit is again, getting Deuce Vaughn um, matched up properly against maybe some linebackers. We saw Keon Mosey hit that big wheel route in Norman last year, finding some one-on-one matchups that they feel like they can win through some pre-snap disguises and motion, and then maybe some underneath routes, um, trying to get some space in their coverage that, that you can work with. I think it, it's not going to surprise me to see K-State maybe move the ball better than they did against Oklahoma State, but it's can they not stall? Uh, right. That will be the big question because so far Oklahoma's defense has been has, has had some bend to it, but they haven't broken. It does make me curious. If Kansas State converts that first drive into a touchdown instead of stalling out near the red zone and have to kick the field goal, does it change the – the way the game plays out, sure, you get the Malik Knowles big touchdown maybe on the next play, but there's less pressure on Malik to bring the next one out because K-State isn't down double digits at that point. I don't know. Um, I, K-State's got to finish off opportunities when they get them in this game. They can't get down there and you know let the bend but don't break it the better of them and only kick a field goal or come out of there with no points. They're going to have to convert points. And Ryan Wallace, how does this offense move the ball effectively on a consistent basis against a defense like Oklahoma with or without Skylar Thompson? Well, I, you know, the first person that I immediately thought of in reviewing some film with Oklahoma uh, that I thought maybe K-State could take advantage of is Daniel Amatorbebe. And unfortunately, it doesn't sound like he's going to go. Um, and so maybe they can turn to Sammy Wheeler and get him a little bit more involved. Um, we saw them run a little bit more of those two tight end sets. So, you know, whether it's Sammy Wheeler, whether it's Ben Sanat, getting them out of the backfield. Jackson Ean obviously is a guy that's been able to do that. And those are players that I don't think Oklahoma is going to give enough attention to. And that's where a guy like Deuce Vaughn can be advantageous that, and that's where maybe we haven't seen Courtney Messingham use him enough as a decoy. Um, Oklahoma does have a tendency at times and they always have to kind of go with their gut, go with that first reaction, go with their first read uh, and slip up sometimes and how assignment sound they play. And Deuce Vaughn is the type of guy that can make a defense slip up and open up some things for other players. And, and again, when I say other players, I think they're going to cover Malik Knowles. You know, I think that they're going to cover Deuce Vaughn, but a guy like Sammy Wheeler might be able to, to slip through. Um, we saw Keenan Garber get open a few times early on against Oklahoma state. Um, maybe Oklahoma doesn't give him enough time a day um, and enough coverage. So there are ways to work it. I think again, kind of, middle of the field, some of those underneath routes, they might be able to, to get some yardage and uh, you know, maybe some of the, the, the reverses bubble screens and, and getting Deuce Vaughn out into the flats might be other ways that they can do it. But again, Oklahoma, pretty fast defense. So you're going to have to find areas in that Alex Grinch um, coverage scheme that, that you can exploit. What does it mean for the season? If Kansas state wins this game or loses this game, does it change much for the Wildcats? No, 
No, I don't think so at all. I don't think so at all. I I think uh, the the season at this point um, will hinge on what we see from the the Iowa State game, and and even that one fits might not even be a must win, but but it's a it's a must look good from the standpoint of regardless of what happens against Oklahoma, you figure you're no matter what you'll have Skylar Thompson back for that game. And that's always kind of been, as Chris Kleiman said, the game that they were aiming to at least have him back for. And you're coming off of a bye week I mean, everything should be well-oiled, gelled, fresh um, to the point that you should be able to come back with Iowa State coming coming into Manhattan after you just got shellacked in Ames last year, where that's a game that that it has the opportunity for K State to make a statement. This Oklahoma game again, I, I think you could go out and get trounced, um, but it's how you bounce back against Iowa State after a bye week that I think is going to say a lot about this team. Well, you brought me right into the next topic. This game to me. I feel like they've got a lot to gain from it, but over the course of the season, I don't think it changes them into a 10-win team if they win this game. I I still think they're looking at eight, maybe nine as their ceiling wins. It's next week with Iowa State, a team that is apparently coming down from their high of last season, very attainable. You get to four and two at the turn. You're in good shape. And I wonder if, even though I've been told repeatedly Skylar Thompson will play, if Chris Kleiman's looking at this big picture and thinking, look, he he can play. He he may not be 100%. He can play. But if I get him injured, it could impact the remaining seven games in a way sitting him down and having him at 100% for Iowa State wouldn't. I can almost see why he would opt to sit him down, even if Kansas State was in a better position to win the game. What are your thoughts? I don't think that's a bad thought at all. Uh, In theory, I think it makes the most sense. And for me, knowing that Skylar Thompson was going to be out several weeks, in my mind, um, even if he were ready, uh, I I wouldn't have thrown him into – um, the snake pit with the Sooners. Um, and this is me talking through two, three weeks ago. Um, and I still kind of feel that way now. Uh, I think that this is another opportunity as much as fans don't want to see it to get another firm glimpse at, at Will Howard and Jaron Lewis, give them a little bit more experience under their belt. Um, against, you know, when the lights are brightest against a team like Oklahoma and just see what they can do one more time. Um, I think that both of them should have opportunities later in the year. Um, if, if K state behind Skylar Thompson can get up on some teams down the stretch and I think they will. But again, I think this is just an opportunity for K state to see what those two kids can do. Um, you, you lose a little bit of recruiting momentum, I guess, going back to your last question, Fitz, that might be an area where you know, you do want to beat Oklahoma and that's an area where you don't want to get just killed uh, on Saturday mm-hmm. because you have a 50 plus unofficial visitors in town. And obviously we've heard from the last two recruiting classes, how they remember beating Oklahoma. That's the game that stands out to them. And so you'd like to have another one like that on your resume. But again, if we're thinking grand scheme of things, if you're putting hand to Bible here, no, I, I don't, I don't see the big benefit in rushing Skylar Thompson back. If he's not 100, 110%. Then again, good luck, Chris Kleiman, telling Skylar Thompson he can't play, even though he might be healthy enough to do so. 
he he probably wants to play in this game desperately to try to get that third win over Oklahoma and get back on track as a team. But uh, it's going to be interesting. Maybe he was being sincere and not just flaunting some gamesmanship there on Tuesday when he said he's not going to play. We will find out as the warm-ups start up. And maybe you'll pull a Bill Snyder and not let Skyler warm up on the field. Huh? Huh? I mean, that's that's going to be the big question, though, right, Fitz? I yeah. mean, everybody's going to want to be in the game early to see, does he or does he not have pads on? Right. All right. Well, if Will Howard's healthy, which is a question now, and he's playing well, and they decide not to play Skyler, I hope they just stick with him. And I've enjoyed my time seeing Jaron Lewis play. I have a better grasp of who he is as a player. There's an upside there. It's very underdeveloped. But if Will Howard comes out and he performed well in that opening drive, he put some balls on the money that the receivers didn't go get. And if if the th- offense is clicking well enough to be in a position to win, let him ride it out. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a very, very interesting game. And I won't be surprised if K-State wins. And I certainly won't be surprised if Oklahoma State wins by four touchdowns or more. Because I – or Oklahoma, they have – something to prove here. The Sooners have something to say, not just about this season, but about the last two K-State games. That's Ryan Wallace, our football recruiting analyst, and he helps out with team coverage at GoPowerCat.com. One section of the pregame podcast is in the hip pocket, and after this break, we will bring in Brian Hanley, our football analyst at GoPowerCat.com, the former Kansas State offensive lineman. We are GoPowerCat.com, and this is the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Pregame Podcast. Kansas State, Oklahoma, 2.30 p.m. Bill Snyder Family Stadium right here in Manhattan on Saturday. I hope you can make it to the stadium. It's supposed to be a beautiful day. Maybe a little chance of rain as we sit here previewing the game midweek. But the temperatures will be much more manageable than what we had the last home game against Nevada when it got so hot at the stadium. Should be a beautiful day for football and an interesting game between two teams that are still struggling to find themselves. Oklahoma's ranked sixth, but at 4-0, and they still haven't been overly impressive this season. And Kansas State at 3-1 and wants to get its feet back under them after that loss at Oklahoma State. Brian Hanley is standing by, the former Kansas State offensive lineman on the 97 and 98 K-State teams. But first, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now we bring in our football analyst, Mr. Brian Hanley, offensive lineman in the late 90s. And 
here to give us his expertise on football. Brian, I, I am fascinated by Oklahoma because they're still ranked sixth in the country. They appear to be a good team, but their performance on the field is kind of below expectations. They won last week uh, in Norman, barely kicked a field goal in the last play of the game. It was an untimed play uh, to win 16 to 13. And the home crowd wasn't very happy with the performance of the Sooners of quarterback Spencer Rattler. It's just amazing to me. They're disgruntled as an unbeaten six ranked team. Oh, how their wealthy live and us peons exist below them. This is still a really good football team, though. They just haven't put it all together this season. Yeah, no, they're they're talented. No question. They are super, super talented. Just haven't put it all together. Um, but you know what? Sometimes, though, Tim, teams that are super talented never put it all together. I've seen plenty of times where a team that goes into the season, they've got a lot coming back. They should be great. And they just can't get it figured out. Now, the one thing that I think that they struggle is their offensive line hasn't played well. And the quarterback hasn't been accurate at all. So, uh, but those things could change. But at the same time, like I mentioned, sometimes they just don't. Sometimes it just doesn't get figured out. You think, you know, and maybe they thought they were better than what they were. Don't put it all together in in spring and in practice and things don't come together because it hasn't yet. I can hear Bill Snyder saying at a press conference that every team is its own thing. And you've got to rebuild the culture before every season. And yep. that that could very well be what's going on here. Maybe something just as disconnected with Oklahoma. But let's talk about Spencer Rattler. He, he threw for 256 against West Virginia, completing 26 of 36 passes and uh, with one interception. 72%. Completion percentage, but his misses have been notable. He got yep. booed by the home crowd, but yep. most important is his yardage per pass attempt is right. way down. He is throwing right. much shorter, much more um, safe pass routes this year than he did a year ago, and it's really impacted this entire team. They don't possess the ball. They they can't seem to get a rhythm on offense. I I just I think they're right for the picking, and I wonder if K-State can actually do it three years in a row. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, is is kind of what you said. He's throwing – when you throw short passes and things like that, it's one of two things. Your line can't protect you long enough. And you can't run the football well enough. So then, so they're not possessing the ball long enough. Kind of exactly what you said. And, you know, it's I, I, K-State, if they just come to play, they, obviously we have to play better than we did last week. And if they come focused and with their hair on fire and come out and play mistake-free football, this is a game we can win. I know it's going to be a huge upset and everybody in the country is going to say we can't win and we're not going to win. But you know what? They said that so many times against OU and somehow we are able to beat them. So this is another one of those cases. Come out and do what you do. Do it well. This is a winnable football game. It just is. It really is. And Oklahoma shows what happens to you if you become one dimensional. Luckily yep. for them, they were able to force West Virginia into being even more one-dimensional. Oklahoma ran the ball 28 times against the Mountaineers, 
for 57 yards. <laughs> yeah. That's that's, yeah, that's not bad. Oklahoma football. Uh, no. West Virginia ran it 29 times for 47 yards. So right. uh, we'll get to the Oklahoma defense here in a second. But, man, without a reliable run game that you can yeah. lean on, if K-State can take that away, it does open up some interesting possibilities. Is this defense K-State's playing, even though it faltered at Oklahoma State, even though it looked flawed some points in that first half in particular, is this defense able to contain this Oklahoma offense? I think that they're going to be able to make them one-dimensional. You know, I, whether they can contain them or not, I don't know. But I think we can make them one-dimensional, which means we can make them throw the football. Because it's what I mentioned before. Oklahoma's offensive line is not good. It's not good. And and like I said, when you have to throw short passes, and they have to throw these short passes because they can't protect and they can't run it. So the short run, short passing game is an extension of the run game. So if we can make them one-dimensional, which I think that we're going to be able to do, I think this bodes well for the defense and flying around and, and being able to play coverage, you know, and, and sure passing downs, things of that nature, keeping them behind the sticks i think it's something that we're now they're going to try to emphasize the run right. they are because they're going to look at last week and say you know what we got to run the football this week but you know i think if we do what we do well i think we'll be able to make them one-dimensional and and have a really big impact on the game they're probably also going to feel confident looking at the success oklahoma state had at times running the ball that's right against k-state a very interesting stat though talking about their passing game michael woods the second was their leading receiver last week in that win over west virginia he caught eight passes impressive 86 yards and that emphasizes where they're at with their passing game their leading receiver averaged just a hair over 10 yards a catch which is yeah. you know for a team that like to go vertical and get the ball down the field with Spencer Rattler they have definitely changed that and maybe it's personnel maybe as you mentioned it's protection but uh, I feel like that's exactly how K-State wants them to throw the ball just keep it in front of us and we'll go tackle you because that that plays right into the strengths of this K-State defense yeah, no, I just I think what we're doing on, on defense and what they have to do is going to play directly into our hands. Kind of what you mentioned. Right. It just they they have to. They, they, I mean, I keep saying it, but it's an emphasis that we have to realize their offensive line isn't good. They're they're just not. I mean, you can watch them play. You watch the games. They're not a good unit. We have to be able to exploit that and take advantage of that and make them one-dimensional because they're not going to be able to throw the ball downfield. If we can get pressure, they're not going to be able to throw the ball down the field because they can't protect them. This is a game set up for K-State again to upset these Sooners because of what we'll be able to do to get after them defensively. Now the big story coming into this is Kansas State's offense that struggled in Stillwater quarterback Skylar Thompson didn't play Chris Kleiman says he won't play in this game I don't believe him uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting out there and on uh, Twitter and other social media Oklahoma fans are convinced that Skylar will play K-State fans are convinced he won't play I think that kind of 
outlines the outlook of the two fan bases. I think he'll play, but let's let's pause here and talk about Will Howard, who played well on that first drive. Then the fumble, I think he probably got banged up in there or on, on another hit off a run, a uh, soft tissue injury. He couldn't get loose. They tried to play him in the second half, and they had to go with the third stringer, Jaron Lewis. So I, I like Lewis. I see some signs there uh, that he could be a player, but he's nowhere near ready. And Will Howard seems to be flirting with being ready to play at this level, but not, doesn't quite put it together. Dude, this team needs Skylar Thompson back. I don't think there's a soul in K-State land that believes in a quarterback controversy now after what we've seen. Skylar Thompson needs to be on the field if K-State wants to win this game. Yeah, he's got to be on the field. Um, the other guys, they're trying hard. They're playing to the best of their ability. They're just not ready to turn the corner yet. And we've got the opportunity here to have a really, really special season. We got to have a quarterback out there. We got to protect them. Well, we got to have them out there. And it's ironic that he got a hurt on a play that really didn't have anything to do with him. Yeah. So. Uh, it, it's, I mean, it's so unfortunate, but we, we got to have him out there. He is a difference maker uh, on this offense, but just for his ability to stretch the field, Tim, he can stretch the field. And, and even when you're not completing passes, just by throwing them down there, not getting them intercepted, but just by throwing them out there and keeping defensive defenses honest, right? He does that for us, and we just have to have that on a consistent basis. Also, just being able to throw the the 16, the 14-yard the in routes and be able to read a defense and do that. The other guys aren't capable of doing that yet, and you have to do that at this level. Yep, absolutely. How concerned are you about the progression of the young quarterbacks behind Skylar Thompson. Now, granted, Will Howard only had his true freshman year last year, played in a pandemic with limited preseason preparation. Jaron Lewis is in his third season. He's always struck me as a, as, you know, kind of a bullpen guy, you know, he's going to come in when you need him, but I don't feel like they're at the point where they need to be. If Kansas State's going to turn over the program to one of these guys, and Jake Rubel would be the third, but he's way behind in progression because of an injury. If K-State's going to turn it over to one of these guys next fall, they better get a lot better. Because, Brian, I'm not seeing it right now as, as a group of quarterbacks that can lead this team to a winning season in the, in the way they're currently playing. You know, that's a thing, Tim. Um, they're not. They're not where we, we need them to be. They're probably, I'm sure they're not where they want to be. And I, I can almost 100% guarantee that they're not the coach. They're not where the coaches want them to be. But, you know, I say that now, but I played on a team where I was in spring. The quarterback wasn't on the roster yet. Right. So maybe that's another case to where the quarterback's not on the roster yet. You know, I know that's wishful thinking and things are different, but it happens. And maybe that's a, an avenue that we have to go down. And if that's going to be the case, if these guys aren't going to be ready, because you're 100% correct, they're not where they need to be. They're not where they need to be. Whether we want them to be there, or the coaches want them to be there, they should be there by now. They should be able to, like I mentioned, look down the field to complete a 12-yard pass over the middle, you know, over the linebackers in front of the safeties. They should be able to do that without worry, and they can't literally do that, and that's a problem. So, and if it's going to be continue to be a problem and they can't get better, like I said, maybe the quarterback for the future just isn't here yet. 
Yeah, we may be right. It, and with the transfer portal, there's certainly opportunities out there for, for right. someone to come in. It could disrupt your quarterback room. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the coaches do. I want your opinion on a comparison I made. It might have been on this show or another one of our podcasts. I kind of look at Will Howard and Jaron Lewis as the 2001 version of Mark Dunn and L. Roberson in the yeah. fact that Mark Dunn came in from junior college. He had more experience. This would be Will Howard in this case and did things well, but just didn't seem to ignite anything and was somewhat inconsistent. Meanwhile, you had this sophomore or freshman, whatever L was at the time on the roster. I guess he'd been a sophomore who was had a huge arm was a little bit wild throwing the ball, didn't really understand the offense, uh, was really athletic. We haven't seen that from Jaron yet. They really protected him. They Once they were down to their third quarterback, they pulled in their horns on the quarterback run game. So we really haven't seen him open it up. But that little flip pass to Deuce Vaughn for the touchdown yep. reminded me of something L or Michael would have done. Uh, I'm not going down. I'm not going down. I'm going to stay alive. Oops, there's someone right there. Just that kind of athletic, physical creativity that you need at quarterback. Yeah, it did. It does remind you of that a little bit. And that's something that I think that we're going to need. You know, the quarterback position in college football has changed so much. I mean, even in the last five to ten years, everybody is going to mobile. Even Alabama, while they still have their pro-style quarterbacks, they're even going to quarterbacks that are mobile you got to have somebody that can move around i'm not saying that our guys can't move around or anything like that because uh, they can at the same time it's just never say die have a strong arm can you know not afraid to take chances we need that kind of quarterback somebody that's out there that can that can just make something happen when nothing is happening and i think that's where skyler can do that sometimes it gets him in trouble but he can make something happen when nothing's there. We need that out of the quarterback position uh, moving forward. We just, you know, you got to have somebody that can say, you know what, nothing's here. I'm going to keep this play alive, and then I'm going to make something happen. That's a sign of a special quarterback. We need somebody that can do that for us. As we're discovering, it doesn't matter if Bill Snyder's the head coach or Chris Kleiman you got to have that mobile quarterback at Kansas State. You take out the quarterback run game, and for whatever reason, it paralyzes the offense for the purple team. And uh, maybe that is a trend across all of college football, as you mentioned. Is it because the defenses have gotten so much more athletic? They've gone away from the big, bulky defensive linemen and you know 250-pound middle linebackers to a more sleek, run fast, cover a lot of ground, tackle and open space defense. Is that what's causing all of this need for a quarterback run game and mobile QBs? I think so. I mean, it's speed, speed, speed. The difference is, is now it's kind of what you said. The, the linebackers aren't 250 pounds. They're 230 pounds. I mean, we saw that trend, you know, in the early 90s, and it, and it just kept going. The difference is the guys have gotten bigger. Now, they're not 250-pound run stuffers anymore at linebacker. They're 230-pound guys that can run all over the field at linebacker, you know, and, and can run with your tight end and cover a slot guy if they have to. So you got to get an extra guy in there to be able to block so you can run your quarterback. You just have to have that advantage. It, it's Defenses are, are too fast. They're I don't know if they're so much more complex. They are complex, but it's, I mean, defensive coordinators were smart 
smart in the nineties too. So let's not, you know, it's not like yeah. defensive coordinators were dumb. They were smart then too. Things have just changed, and that's the difference. So the, as the game has changed, you have to run your quarterback. They do it in the pros. They, they guys in the pros, now you don't want to do that so often in the pros because the 370-pound defensive lineman <laughs> is running like a linebacker in college, so it's a little different. <laughs> but in college, you you know, you got to have that mobile quarterback. And you're right, K-State, it seems like, since I've been there, if they don't have a quarterback that can run, it's like, oh my goodness, the, the offense can't move. And I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's crazy. It's literally crazy. If the, if the quarterback can't run, we can't move the football. I've never seen anything like that before. So, but if that's going to be the case, which for 20 plus years it has been, then this is just what we got to do. They also have to be able to throw the ball, and Kansas State isn't throwing the ball with any great effect at, right now. Um, Maybe it will improve with Skyler on the field, but we really didn't see it against Stanford. He had the bad interception. He had some nice plays, but they mostly ran the ball that day because that's what they could do. But now they're into the part of the season where they're going to have to be more diverse on offense, be able to throw the ball, get the ball downfield with some accuracy and impact on the game. What is wrong with Kansas State's passing game? Is it the coaching, the the players, the receivers, the quarterbacks? What is going on here? I think it's a combination of all of that. Um, to put it bluntly, I don't know that we have enough weapons yeah. to, to do it. I mean, you know, and it just comes back to that. You know, you got to have guys. First of all, you got to have a guy that can throw it. You got to be able to protect and you got to have a guy that can go get it. And you have to have several of those people. I don't know that Kansas State really has enough weapons to throw the football to. One of the things that I would like to see them do more is maybe have Deuce Vaughn in the slot. Even if we go to four receivers and we have a back, put Irving in the backfield and put Deuce Vaughn in the slot or vice versa. You know, get your best players out in space. You know, you don't, I just think you got to be diverse. You got to put some stuff out there, you know, and do some things differently. Get the weapons that you have, at least use them. You know, and use them to your advantage. And I don't think we do enough of that. So, again, comes back to, to the coaching aspect. We don't have enough weapons, but the weapons we do have, let's put them in some, some different situations where teams can't, you know, that, that aren't used to seeing or and, and, and throw some different things out there for us to, to be able to capitalize on that. Because, again, you got to be able to throw the football in this yeah. day and age. I mean, you can't win football game. You can't even really be competitive if you can't throw the football in the Big 12 Conference. You're not going to win many games. No, you're exactly right. And, and you know what? They opened the game, the first play from scrimmage. They had uh, the diamond formation out there with Irvin and Vaughn and, and Jack Stanine on the field. Brian, that was the only time they showed multiple backs. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Deuce Vaughn ended up catching seven passes for 73 yards, um, you know, and you got to calculate into that a 55-yard touchdown. So the rest of them were pretty controlled passing. I'm all in on that. Uh, but I, for the life of me, if Deuce is such a, a headliner, why don't you keep him on the field as much as possible, put him in the slot, and put Joe Irvin in the backfield and tell the defense to decide what you're going to stop? Yeah. They're not we, doing become, that. I don't get it. No. No, we're not doing that at all. We've become way too predictive on on offense, way too predictable. Um, and it's starting to show. I mean, if you can watch a football game and know what's coming as a fan, 
then you know that coaches that study tendencies know what you're going to do. So, I mean, it, we've got to be able to mix some stuff up here and do some different things and continue, not just the scripted, though. You know, the first 15 or 20 plays that get scripted, we do a great job of that, and then we lose sight of that. You got to keep going. I mean, the football game is four quarters. You got to be able to have a, a creative mind for four quarters to be able to mix things up, not just the first 15 plays to see what they're doing or see what works. Cause you're going to run those plays no matter what. Well, if you know that works, come back to it, run it again, run it again. Again, I know I've said this before, but, and, and I'm not trying to beat the Bill Snyder drum too often, but if Bill Snyder saw that they, you were running a play and they couldn't stop it, it would get run five times in a row until you scored a touchdown if you decided you didn't want to change to it. That's just the way it was. I think a lot of coaches do that. Mm-hmm. So we got to be able to do some of that stuff. Do what works. And if this diamond formation, if it works, which I've seen that it does, keep using it. But if it doesn't work, don't ever run it again. Don't yep. ever show it. Don't ever, because whatever you're doing, if it doesn't work, then why are we doing it? So exactly. we got to be more inventive on offense and, and just got to be better. They have this formation. They practice this formation. <laughs> yes. Vaughn has told us, and by the way, correction, Deuce had five catches for the 73 yards. They've started adding targets onto the stats and it's throwing me off. But if you're going to practice this, if you're going to spend time on it, use it. Put yeah. it out there. See what it can do. They can throw yeah. out of it. They can mix up who gets the ball. It's They almost run the same play or two every time they run this formation. They used it a lot in Fargo. I don't understand why we're not seeing it. And it struck me last week was a perfect time to try to pull it out. But they didn't. I don't know. Malik Knowles uh, is an intriguing guy to me. Three catches, yeah. 26 yards. But he had a couple balls that were right on the money from Will Howard early in the game. They didn't compete for it. We talked about it in the postgame review podcast. He's got to be tougher. He's a great receiver. He's an incredible return specialist on kickoffs. I want him on the roster, but I'm going to be really blunt here. I want him as the third receiver. There's, you yeah. said it. There's not enough talent at receiver. If you've got him and Philip Brooks filling your third and fourth slots or second and third, you're much better off. We talked about transfer portal for quarterbacks. By God, they got to get into the portal and get some receivers. They got to go find some guys. And it's going to be a hard sell because it looks like they don't want to throw the ball when they do, but they just can't. Yeah. And that would be the sell is like, hey, come here. We want to throw it, but we can't throw it because we don't have weapons to go get it. But you're exactly right. He is a number two at best, basically third receiver. Um, Brooks, God bless him. He does the best that he can, but he's not he's he's not the type of number two big 12 receiver that you would want on your roster. God bless him. He does the the best that he can. And and he's a good football player. Don't get me wrong, but it's the, the, the talent level of the big 12 at receiver. We are way below where we need to be. We got, and it didn't used to be that way. It didn't used to be that way. We got to get back to that. We just got to get more talent, but you know, if even that, that you're right. The guys that we have, put them in positions where they can succeed, and they they got to go fight. They got to go fight. Look, here's where we are. This is what we got. We're going to try to get you the ball, but you know what? If we're going to try to get you the ball, then you got to try to go get the ball too. Time to fight. It's time to put up what you got and just make a stand here. This is a stand, making a stand type of football game too, Tim. We got to make a stand. Go win a football game that nobody thinks that you can. 
it's time to to put up here. Yep. They need it. They, this is an opportunity to change the course of your season. If you fall into a two loss and then heaven forbid a three loss in a couple of weeks when Iowa State comes to town, you've really kind of derailed everything you built in the non-conference. If Skylar Thompson plays, what are K-State's chances here? If he plays, I think they can win. Or not, they can. I think they do win. Oh. If he plays, they'll win the football game. I just, I believe that because they can do so much more when he's on the football field on the offensive side. They can do so much more. They don't trust the other guys to be able to do the things that he does. Which, if you're trying to win a football game, look. If you don't trust them to do it, then don't play them. If they're out there, then put the playbook out there with them. So if he's out there, I think K State wins. Very good. I kind of agree with you. He's got their number for whatever reason. He rises to the occasion. I can't imagine him not finding a way to play this game. I just can't envision it after beating Oklahoma twice. And I don't know. I I, I don't have the time to do this kind of research. I'm not sure when the last quarterback who beat Oklahoma three years in a row ever happened. I don't know who that'd be. I have no idea. They don't lose games like that, and yet Skyler Thompson has that opportunity. Brian, thank you very much. Good stuff as always. Thank that you. Is Brian Hanley, our football analyst at GoPowerCat.com, former Kansas State offensive lineman. And after the break, we'll plunge right into our interview segment, and we'll look at the betting lines for this weekend's Big 12 action as the PowerCat pregame podcast, Motors On, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pre-Game Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald here in the GPC Studios as we prepare you for Kansas State and Oklahoma on Saturday afternoon at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Kickoff is scheduled for 2.30. Well, earlier this week, it was announced that Kansas State senior wide receiver Landry Weber is one of the 176 players from all NCAA divisions and the NAIA, including 79 football bowl subdivision NCAA players to be named as semifinalists for the 2021 William V. Campbell Trophy. And that trophy recognizes an individual as the absolute best football scholar athlete in the nation, combining academic success, football performance, and leadership. And Landry Weber is our subject of today's interview segment as we bring you closer to K-State and Oklahoma. We're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame 
podcast. Well, Landry Weber is the second son of Stan Weber, former Kansas State quarterback and current color analyst on the radio broadcast for the Wildcats to play football at Kansas State. And he is in the regular rotation this season at wide receiver. And he's had an impact on a number of games this season, including blocking for Deuce Vaughn on his 55-yard touchdown reception in the second half. K-State's only points, the only points overall, in the second half of that loss at Oklahoma State last week. And boy, Landry Weber locked up with his blocking assignment there towards the goal line and never let the guy around him as Deuce Vaughn scored. But we started off our discussion with Landry Weber about his feelings following Kansas State's loss at Oklahoma State. And now here is Landry Weber. You know, it's more just frustrating to take the loss than anything. I feel like the guys fought really hard the whole entire game, uh, so it's hard to be frustrated about that. But more just frustrated that I felt like that was a winnable game, that we left some some of it out there, that um, the defense did a great job in the second half. And, you know, you're just frustrated that we didn't help them out more. But you can't be mad about the guys' efforts. Everyone was fighting really hard the whole game. And, you know, you just just wish you could have got it done. I followed that up by asking Landry about the issues with the passing game, and is it something that can be fixed? I mean, we just got to continue to execute, and um, I would just say make the tough plays. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, against OSU, there were some plays that were just – they were tough plays for sure. Um, And you just got to try and make them. Got to continue to make those the tough plays. Um, The Big 12 is a a great league, and to to win some football games, you're going to have to make some tough plays. And uh, I think that's just going to be a key for us. Kelch Robinette of the Kansas City Star, Wichita Eagle, ask him to further explain what making those tough plays actually means. Catches that, you know, you got a defender on you, but you can still catch it, you know. Um, just plays like that. And, and, and there's good DBs in this league and continue to create separation and, 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 and make those tough plays. Now to the big catch and run by Deuce Vaughn in the second half against Oklahoma State. How surprised was Landry to see Deuce coming down the field at him on a broken play heading towards the end zone? Uh, I, was, I was pretty surprised. I, I was down there. It's hard to tell what's going on. And I turned back around. All of a sudden, Deuce is running at me free. And so I just, as quickly as I could, I saw one guy. I was going to go block him. And I thought, oh, man, he can, he can probably outrun that guy. So I quickly just turned and tried to grab anybody that I could. And, and luckily, I got enough of them to let him get in the end zone. And then I asked him, did it feel like he had to hold that block forever until Deuce got into the end zone? It, it was it was long. I was I was just hoping that I could could keep it on. As he was coming, I, I said, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this long enough. But luckily, this is fast, so he got there quickly. And finally, how surprised was he that the little guy found a way to weave us through all the players, get around Landry's block, and get into the end zone? Man, I, I just knew there was two guys, and I, I and I was hoping I picked the right one. And and luckily, Deuce was such a good player that he he outran everybody, and so credit to do so there well that's it for this week's interview segment and now it's time to look at the gambling aspect of this game as we bring in Earl and ryan gilbert to talk about the odds of kansas state and oklahoma the lines everything going on in the big 12 he's our guy when it comes to that i started a new feature last week when i started picking all the mm-hmm. games how'd you do i went uh three and one there you go i missed the team i cover <laughs> so did i <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't show you that sometimes knowledge is a bad thing or maybe you're too close to the trees. Anyhow, I got everything else right, but missed K-State at least covering with Oklahoma State. Let's start with Oklahoma State because they are back home with Baylor coming to town. How do they get both back-to-back home games to start the Big 12? 
K-State would never get that. K-State doesn't ever get one. To start the- <laughs> uh, Oklahoma State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite as we sit here today recording this. Over the Baylor Bears, you say? First of all, both teams are lucky to be 4-0. I don't think these are good teams, and Baylor really hasn't played anyone besides Iowa State and Waco. So, you know, I would be shocked coming into the year to say these teams would be 4-0. So, with that being said, I can't be too comfortable betting on one or the other. You know what I mean? Just because it's Great. like, how are they? How are these teams both ranked? But I like Oklahoma State. For one, they're at home. And number two, what we saw in the first half against Kansas State. And not to take a page out of what K-State wants to always be doing, but you got to wonder if in that second half of that game, do you think Oklahoma State was just shoving some of those plays away in their back pocket and didn't use them and they're, yeah. they're saving them for this next game against Baylor? I think they put on cruise control and the Cowboys will be ready for this one despite the struggles we've seen, but I also wouldn't be shocked if Baylor just comes out and surprises everybody. I'm not too high on either of these teams, Me neither. but you got to give credit where credit's due. They're both 4-0. End of the day, I like Oklahoma State, but I'm not overly confident. Yeah, you know what? I I think Baylor is pretty good. I I think uh, what they've done these last two games in the Big 12 play, I mean, they absolutely dominated Kansas, which I know. Who? Yeah, that's exactly it. And no, it doesn't say a lot, but that's not what Baylor would have done with them last year, probably. And then beating Iowa State, that's supposed to be good. Supposed to be good. Supposed to be good. Yeah. I think Baylor gets this. I do. All right. How much are we betting? Uh, One million trillion dollars. But before we do that, let's uh, before we shake on that, let's move on to (laughs) clearly the biggest game in the conference this week. It's uh, Iowa State playing host to Kansas. (laughs) Thirty three points, Gills. Thirty. What? That is so many points. It makes me want to pick Kansas. How about you? I initially wanted to roll with Kansas, but do you remember what we said last week here on the show? Yeah, yeah. With Kansas, how you you think they're going to cover? And did you watch that game against Duke? Uh, yeah, parts of it. They looked pretty good, and they were up in the third quarter, and then they reminded us who Kansas is because Duke and they isn't didn't good. cover. Yeah, Duke is not good at all, but they reminded us who they are, and they didn't cover. They lost by what twenty something like that. So. I've got to go Iowa State here. I do not like Iowa State as a whole, but 33 points or, you know, whatever you said, is that a ton? Yes, but against this Kansas team, you can score four touchdowns in a matter of, what, five minutes? So I've got to go Iowa State here. They blew out UNLV by, what, 40-something points? So I'm going to go with, with Iowa State here. I wouldn't be shocked if Kansas keeps it a game, but again, until we see Kansas actually do something, you got to bet against them. Would Kansas beat UNLV? It's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Are you asking me or just? Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> I'm uh, not sure. I'm, I'll save that pick for my on the line video um, because I don't want to make up my mind right now. <laughs> West Virginia, seven point favorite over Tech in Morgantown. West Virginia coming off a narrow loss. They, they should have won that game in Norman. I think West Virginia's pretty good. Not sold on Tech. What do you think? I agree. Hundred percent. I mean, I don't know why this game is at seven points. I don't either. It should be fourteen, seventeen, twenty. I don't care. I mean, West Virginia has been pretty good this year, despite that loss against Maryland in Week One. They looked really good against Oklahoma. They can eliminate some of those mistakes. They probably come out of Norman with the W, like you said. And Texas Tech, Texas just doubled up on them last week in Austin. Yeah. So I don't see how anybody in their right state of mind can bet Texas Tech here. I just don't get it. I, I would agree. I, and let's recap. So far, we've taken the two 4-0 teams and said we're not really impressed by them. And we have said we're impressed by the 2-2 two and two West Virginia team. Mm-hmm. 
That's they've played better teams. They have played for better sure. teams. They they line them up in that non conference schedule and take the challenges. I like it a lot. TCU opened as a favorite against Texas. It's games in Fort Worth. There'll be more burnt orange there probably than purple. Mm-hmm. It's now a five-point line for Texas. That is a big swing, brother. I, I don't even know what they were thinking opening with TCU at minus one. I, I, I don't know what to think about Texas, but it turns out Arkansas might be pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that loss wasn't as bad as we thought, and they did. They absolutely destroyed Tech. That game wasn't as close as seventy to thirty-five. That's how bad it was. Mm-hmm. They just called off the dogs. They got mm-hmm. tired of scoring points. It's kind of like you and Aggieville. Just tired <laughs> of scoring points. TCU, will they cover plus five? No. I like Texas here. And if you're going to go based off of this little strategy that we've got going here, we think Texas Tech's pretty bad. We think Texas is – I think they're pretty good based off of what we saw on Saturday. So if, if, if that's true, at worst, you're going one and one. Right? With West Virginia, if, if Texas Tech somehow gets them – that it turns out there that Texas is really good. Then they're not, you know, Tech's not going to cover against West Virginia, but Texas is still going to cover. It's the opposite, and that Texas turns out to be really, really good. They're going to cover against TCU. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Texas Tech not going to cover. Texas will cover. I don't know if that made any sense. It made a little <laughs> bit of sense. I don't know. The way I'm thinking here is it, you can't go zero two if you bet on Texas and you bet on West Virginia, based off of what we saw last week. I got it. I so, it. I like Texas here. You're right. People are putting a lot of stock into that Arkansas loss. Arkansas is not a bad team. They beat Texas A&M by, what, 10 points? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've beaten Louisiana. Louisiana is a very quality team. I like Texas to cover here. Okay, very good. Then the last one, the one that the listeners count on, our advice for how to gamble. Oh, God. Um, Kansas State is a 10.5-point underdog at home against Oklahoma, a team they've beaten two years in a row. I'm really surprised this line's still up with the uncertainty about Skylar Thompson. Does this line reflect Skylar not playing? I don't understand it. I don't either. I I, I, I don't get it. I really don't. So, okay, let's take Even this. after Clement's comments on, on Tuesday, you would have thought this line would have shifted a lot. Yep. But so then, it makes me think the line is posted with Skylar not playing because – the, that didn't move the line when he said he's not playing. I think he's playing, but <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe Vegas does too. Maybe they're dug in on this and like this is just gamesmanship. Coach Kleiman's just saying what he needs to say. Does K State cover ten and a half with Skylar Thompson? No. No. So you think Oklahoma's going to win this? They're mm. going to cover no matter what. No matter what. Doesn't matter Very if you're playing quarterback. Fits doesn't matter. I would probably <laughs> look, folks. If I play quarterback for K State this weekend, bet Oklahoma uh, because I will be, and I'll be in the game. I'll have a lot of control over this. I, I know we're going to lose, so let's just uh-huh. lose by a lot. True. What's that one NBA refs? What's his name? Uh, Rigged games. Yeah. Give you like him. Yeah. Except but. I'd be an actual player, and you know, people look at me and they see college quarterback. Mm-hmm. When I first met you, how, how you how you doing on your picks there? Pretty good. You had, I, did you have a pick me up week? I did. I okay. think I went seven and two or something like that last nice. weekend on here. So, but I'm still under 500 after a rough start. But with with K State, I just I don't see it. Oklahoma's due for a win. We know this team is good, right? Yep. We know they're not going to perform the way they've performed in three of those four games. They've won by a combined 15 points against what was it Missouri State, West Virginia, and Tulane. 
That's incredible. It's, it's not going to happen. Kansas State, I don't care if they've won the last two seasons. It's not going to happen here. And I, I hate to be the pessimist. I know Cole is the polar opposite. He thinks K-State's going to pull out of here with a win. I don't see it happening. I think K-State loses by four or five touchdowns. I really you, do. You can check out all of his picks every – when do we put that up? Friday? Thursdays. We put it up Thursdays? Mm-hmm. Do I run this show? I, shouldn't I know this? Every Thursday at GoPowerCat.com, we got the Bet On It feature in which uh, Gills picks them all, and we pick K-State. And one other college football game of our selection, I nailed Louisville covering at Florida State. I can't remember what I picked. Oh, I picked uh, another Big 12 game. But I can't remember what for this week. Yeah, I sent it to you. I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And then on Saturday morning, drop by Go Powercat as you prepare. Make sure you listen to this podcast. You have to be listening to this podcast to hear me tell you to listen to this podcast. That got very confusing. But also, I'll have my on the line video up at Go Powercat on Saturday morning, where I will pick these five games, give you my thoughts in depth, and then we'll have the walk and talk after K State. Beats Oklahoma and shows up Gills once again. That's how that works, Gills. I hope you're right, I guess. But for the sake of my bets, no. It's all about the money. <laughs> well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Make sure you check out our coverage at GoPowerCat.com. I'll have my postgame walk and talk on Saturday evening after the game. After I walk out of the press conferences, I'll turn on the camera and give you my thoughts. We have so much pregame coverage, and then postgame, we'll just pile it on. Can the Cats beat Oklahoma a third time in a row? It's a big task, a very challenging task. But as you've heard throughout this show, Oklahoma is a team that is showing itself to be beatable, even though they haven't been beaten so far this season. Can K-State do it with Skylar Thompson? Do they have a chance of doing it without Skylar Thompson? We'll find out on Saturday if Sky 7 takes the field after missing two games with that knee injury, or if he sits this one out again, as Chris Kleiman indicated on Tuesday, takes an off week next week, and then heads into the Iowa State game, the sixth game of K-State's season. And also, check in at GoPowerCat.com on Saturday morning. I will have my on-the-line segment where I lay out my thoughts on all the Big 12 games and how they add up against the spread heading into the action. I am Tim Fitzgerald. This has been the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. It's the Cats and Sooners. 2.30 p.m. Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And if you're watching at home, turn on Fox. It's on the National Network. That's right, folks. No more Big 12 Plus for the Cats this weekend. Everyone have a fun time on Saturday, whether you're at the game or not. And then let's all huddle up at GoPowerCat.com after the contest to talk about what happened. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.